At this time, we'll have a um, short devotional or split sermon leading into it by Mr. Barnabas Grayson. Mr. Grayson. Thumbs up. All righty. <laughs> you can hear me, huh? Title of this, uh, the title of this uh, devotional is "Many Are Called, But Few Are Chosen." So we look at the day of Pentecost, or the or the day of Count Fifty that we have made it from the Passover to this present time with the understanding that we are here because of the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. That he has given us hope, that he has given us the faith and the strength, and most of all, provided the Holy Spirit that we may be able to understand the spiritual things that are set before us. But many are called, but few are chosen. And we can be grateful that we feel like we have been called. We have been chosen. Because it is God who draws us to Jesus Christ. Sometimes in our life we fi might find ourselves facing with a trial. Or some kind of a trouble. Or some kind of a doubt. In which we just don't know what to do. But we have the Holy Spirit of God that has given us enlightenment so in this devotional I want to go over this title many are called but few are chosen so Jesus spoke about a parable and this parable concerned the coming kingdom of heaven now I don't have a handout like I usually do to uh, pass on to you if you have your Bibles maybe you can refer to it Anyway, I'll read some of these scriptures that apply to our calling. First of all, in Matthew 22, verses 1 through 14, it says that the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son, planning a wedding, inviting guests to come. And in verse 3, he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, but they would not come. Again, he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner. Like one translation said, the, the roast is in the oven, the roast is done. So there is a, a dinner being prepared. My oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready, come unto the marriage. So sometimes when you look at a calling, a and there's a banquet or a feast that's going to uh, be taking place that you kind of want to know what's on the menu. And if nothing else draws you to that uh, 
that uh, event, then maybe uh, it's, it'll be the food that does it. But they made light of it, and they went their ways. One to his farm, another to his merchandise, that is, to his business. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was angry. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then said he to his servants, the wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. They made themselves not worthy because their hearts weren't in to the calling that they had received. And so they weren't chosen to come. And he told his servants, Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which, not, which didn't have on a wedding garment. And he said unto him, Friend, how came you in here not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. So this wedding garment that he was supposed to be wearing was like a symbol of righteousness a symbol of devotion, a symbol of respect to the king and to his son who was going to be uh, married. Then said the king to the servants, bind him hand and foot, take him away, cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we come to the point of this parable in which Jesus said in verse 14, for many are called, but few are chosen. But in this we can see that we can be grateful that we have a calling from the eternal. But it's also good to know that our calling is to be a part of the household of faith. Now we know that there are millions of Christians in, in the world, professing Christians, and there are hundreds of differing denominations and churches to which they belong. And they say it makes no difference as long as you believe in God and believe in Jesus Christ and that Jesus is Lord. So there are many who use a familiar verse in John 3.16 that says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life again whoever believes in Christ Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life so that word should means there's a possibility that you may not catch it all you may not understand everything that the word is saying so there are many who believe that all you have to do to inherit life is to just believe that God exists, that he is real, that he is love, and confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, that's a step in the right direction, but it is, as the word implies, it is conditional and dependent upon understanding what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, to, to believe 
is to know what the teachings of Christ are. It's to know what he has as far as doctrine is concerned that we should follow. And like the weather person might say, uh, it should rain. But there's a possibility that it won't. So we see in our understanding of whoever believes in Christ, that uh, Jesus should not perish. Should not perish. If they follow the teachings of Christ and follow his doctrines, they should have everlasting life when it comes time for that to be given. Jesus said, if you will enter into life, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. So as we go throughout our life, there are times when we are faced with temptation. There are times when we are faced with doubts and fears. But it's these commandments that should be ingrained in our hearts to recall so that we know which way to go. John 5, 3. 1 John 5, 3. It is written, For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. So we come today uh, on the day of Pentecost to worship our Lord, our Savior, and to be thankful for the Holy Spirit that he has given to us in which we may be able to overcome the various trials and troubles that we have in life. And so we're not left alone when Christ told his disciples that he was going to go. And if he didn't go, the comforter would not come. So we have a comforter. We have the Holy Spirit that came on that day of Pentecost when he told the disciples to wait in Jerusalem until you be uh, filled with that spirit from on high. In John 6, 44, it says that no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus came preaching repentance. He came preaching the gospel, the good news of the coming kingdom of God and the coming of the Holy Spirit that we would be baptized in. Back then, uh, the disciples and many who followed Christ, uh, they must have thought that the, the kingdom was going to come uh, right then and there. So they followed Christ to see what he would say and do. In Matthew chapter 13, the last uh, reference that I will make, Matthew chapter 13 and in verse 1, we see that he told a parable about a farmer who went, out, who went to sow seed in his field. And they fell on four different kinds of ground, four different soil. And each one had different results. Matthew 13 and verse 1, The same day went Jesus out of the house, and he sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured it. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. So in our life, 
in people that we may have known and even perhaps we ourselves may have experienced some phase of this, uh, this uh, sowing. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them, but others fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has ears to hear, let him tree, uh, hear. So his disciples, we know, were privileged to hear Jesus explain what that parable meant. There was a truth on the surface, but there was also a truth be behind it all. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So they saw the imagery, and they also understood what it was about after Christ had explained it to them. And in verse 17, Verily I say unto you, that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Hear you therefore the parable of the sower. Parallel to that reading, I'd like to refer to the uh, Living Bible, verse 19. It is phrased this way. The hard path where some of the seeds fell represents the heart of a person who hears the good news about the kingdom and doesn't understand it. Then Satan comes and snatches away the seeds from the heart, from his heart. You know how he caused confusion, caused doubt on, uh, about what he's hearing about the word. The shallow rocky soil represents the heart of a man who hears a message and receives it with real joy. But he doesn't have much depth in his life and the seeds don't root very deeply. And after a while, when trouble comes or persecution begins because of his beliefs, his enthusiasm fades and drops out. And it happens to a lot of people. So the ground covered with thistles represents a man who hears the message, but the cares of this life and his longing for money choke out God's word, and he does less and less for God. Now the good ground represents the heart of a man who listens to the message and understands it and goes out and brings 30, 60, or even 100 uh, others into the kingdom. So it is... God the Father who sees each and every, uh, saw at one time each and every one of us as perhaps we were facing some severe trial that God saw how we long for comfort and he led us to Jesus Christ in which we were able to have the promise uh, of God's Holy Spirit. So we see a lot of things in the Bible in which you know today represents our life before God and doing the right thing of keeping uh, days like the holy days. So, in conclusion, know this. It says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Don't you know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you 
Do you know that? Do you realize that? Do you believe that? And he gave that spirit on the day of Pentecost to those he told to wait in Jerusalem for the spirit from on high and we are the benefactors of that time so long ago. And we're also told, 1 Timothy 4.14, to not neglect the gift that is in you by the laying on of hands. The Holy Spirit became a part of uh, our being because with the Holy Spirit as part of our life and God's character and personality as part of our life, we can be guided along the right path. And we can be grateful that today, on the day of Pentecost, that many are called and few are chosen. And because we're here today, we can see ourselves that God is calling and will continue to call us as long as we stay faithful to the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. I saw Matthew come in. It's, uh, I, before I close, I just want to see if he is able to say some words. Matthew, do you have a, a devotion that you would like to uh, give at this time? Or this, this is enough? <laughs> There's 15 more, 30 minutes more left, yeah. Yeah. All righty then. It was brief, wasn't it? <laughs>